Okay. Woo! Here we go. This is one of those days where it's a privilege to know that the Holy Spirit is excited to touch you. <laughs> so, with your heart, I am expectant. I want that. He is going to do some significant stuff in hearts through his word. So last week, we looked at an incredible spiritual truth that what you are filled up with is what you will pour out in life. And Jesus, as he always does, our perfect example of what life with God is supposed to look like, what life in the kingdom is supposed to look like, he models for us. Get filled up with God so that in your life you can pour out God. And we use this simple picture right here. What you fill up with is what you will pour out. And you have the choice. What you fill up with is what you will pour out. So you can probably imagine what this represents. And Jesus' model is he retreated to be alone with God, to fill up. That's what the Bible describes. He goes into the wilderness. And what happens as he encounters God what happens, it, it says in Luke 4, 14, he comes back in the power of the Spirit. So now he's ready to engage the world and pour out the fruit and the power of the kingdom for all of us. And he is modeling for us a way of life. It's actually a shocking way of life to see Jesus himself retreating, going to be alone with God. As we brought that out in Luke, we saw it wasn't just at the beginning of his ministry, and it wasn't just a one time here and there. You can follow a pattern throughout the entire gospel, and other gospels confirm it, that regularly Jesus went to be alone on retreat with the Father so that he could fill up and then pour out the fruit and the power of the kingdom. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Jesus models an intentional way of life, an intentional rhythm of life. Retreat from the world, fill up with God, and then go back and engage the world, filled up and now ready to pour out good fruit and power in his kingdom. So therefore, one of the most important things that we can do in our life is to dedicate the time, the effort, the energy, the process, the journey, 
the struggle at times that it is to discover and to develop those ways where you encounter God and fill up with him and so that you know now you've got good fruit and power to pass on. Some of those ways are what we're doing right now. God designed the gathering of the church family to be that Sabbath day retreat where you don't go look to go out and, and engage. You look to say, God, I want to meet with you. The first day of my week is about being with you, being filled up in you, by you, so that I go out into the week with good fruit and power to share. That's a corporate way. There's also the, we did on Awaken on Friday night, the corporate gathering of extended worship. As we, it's an amazing thing how as we lavish worship on God at the same time, he's meeting with us and filling us up. As we encounter him, it brings us alive. So then we go out into the week and have good fruit to share. Faith-filled, ready to pray for people with power ready to handle the challenges that are coming our way. Or life groups that we're talking about, that's another corporate way. God has designed those relationships to be life-giving. That's a retreat in a way. It's getting alone from all the normal hubbub to say, I want to be, I want to honor your word, Lord, and not stop meeting together, but encourage one another daily. There's a life-giving Holy Spirit power that he does in, in corporate settings, especially small group settings where you get filled up with God through one another. Now I'm ready to go out with good fruit to face the challenges of the day. Those are weekly type rhythms and there's those dailies. How am I cultivating in my own walk with God? My responsibility, as Joshua 1.9 said, to get in his word and you, you make your way prosperous by making his word your daily headline, his word on your lips. It's renewing your mind. It's filling your heart. So what are, the, what are those ways that you are making your way prosperous? I mean, that's almost hard to say, but if it wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't say it. And that's directly associated with getting in God's word, making his word your daily headline. So what are those rhythms that you're developing? whether it's the, the journaling after his, it's reading his word, it's coming to the daily devotions, it's getting in the Bible on your own, it's developing those tools, it's journaling to go with it, it's processing, it's talking with a close friend about it, it's praying on it, it's meditating on it throughout the day, it's worshiping the Lord with a simple thought of from his word that then becomes, you know, flows right into a worship song that you put on and just, mm, you're with the Lord throughout the day. So we're talking about that retreat. Fill up so that you pour out good fruit and power. So we know from the book of Luke, the results of Jesus's rhythm of retreat. The results are specific. Luke tells us in Luke 4.14 that Jesus came back from the retreat in the power of the Spirit. Luke is showing us something. When we retreat with God, the result is supposed to be we're filled up and we come back with power to share with others. 
I want to ask this morning, if that's the result, what is the content of the retreats? What is Jesus actually doing so that he is filled up with more of God and has that to share with others? Because he is, as he always is, living the living example of the fullness that humanity was created and designed for. He's modeling for us. This is how you live into the fullness of the life you were made for in God. So what did Jesus do to fill up? And that's what we want to look at here. So let's check out Luke 4. We'll start at 1, verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, very interesting by Luke to note that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, so the Spirit is leading him, and now afterwards, now he comes back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyways, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. That's a long retreat. But not coincidentally, it's right before he starts his ministry. So there's a lengthy retreat to fill up and come back in the power of the Spirit to share with others. So for 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. When those days were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And then he goes on to a couple other temptations, which we're going to hit in the two following weeks. So we'll kind of pause there. But then look at the end, what happens. And when the devil, this is verse 13, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and began his ministry. And I promise you, I promise you, this is not a one-off. This is a regular rhythm that is all throughout the book of Luke, over and over again. It says he departs, he withdraws, he goes up on the mountain all night to pray, he goes to be alone to pray. This is a rhythm of Jesus. He's modeling for us. So what we're gonna look at today and the next two Sundays, there are three temptations. Those three temptations, I absolutely believe, are core issues of life. The devil's not a fool. He's going to attack you at those very areas that God designed you to flourish. Because if he can take you down in the areas where you're meant to be a threat to him, then good on him. That's his goal. So those, you know, he, he reveals his hand. In his hand reveals God's design. Not like we look to that, like, oh, what does God design? Well, let's look at the devil. But sometimes you see that. You're going to see in these core temptations critical issues to all of humanity. You're going to look, we're going to see three core issues to filling up with God that are absolutely crucial. They have to do with are you satisfied? What is your identity? And do you know your mission? Those are three recurring themes that will be, need to be addressed over and over on your retreats with God. 
because the devil is going to come hot and heavy against those things. And if you're living under lies in those areas, you are going to be struggling through life. It's not a coincidence, these three particular areas that Jesus was attacked. So what we're going to look at this morning is particularly one. When you are going on regular retreat with God, are you filling up? Are you filling up with God in that area of are you satisfied? Let's look a little closer. Luke 4, verses 2 to 4. Jesus ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. This temptation addresses a core issue to living filled up with God, which is, are you satisfied? Or another way to put it is, what are you going to for satisfaction? This temptation is not simply about physical bread and satisfying physical hunger. You know, can Jesus make it one more day through the fast? This aspect of Jesus' retreat is about the appetite that many, many people live as slaves to. We're controlled by the appetite, which later Paul calls the lusts of the flesh, where we live in bondage from one thing to another. We're searching and trying to be satisfied, and it doesn't work because it's not what we're made for. Jesus models battling this question of what satisfies you. He models it in the desert that we've got to retreat. We've got to get alone with God and we've got to fill up and, and find out and figure out and work through and struggle through what and how can I fill up with God so he is my source of satisfaction above all else. Appetite is a core temptation for all of humanity. We all feel it every day. It's a core temptation because God designed us for pleasure. God designed us to have our souls satisfied. God designed us for joy. God designed us for emotions that feel excitement and happiness. God designed us with sensory, five senses. And then you bring in the spiritual senses that heighten all of it. It's touch, it's taste. We're about to eat ribs. God designed you with taste buds that you're like, mm, yeah, this works. That is good. That's a God-designed thing where you feel stuff, you smell stuff, you taste stuff. And, and those things of our senses and our emotions are designed by God to come together in a beautiful way where this is pleasurable. There is satisfaction in this. All of that is part of God's good creation. 
in which a relationship with God, communion with God by his spirit is meant to be, designed to be the absolute heights and pinnacle of pleasure. One psalmist said it like this, you make known to me the path of life, not this whatever junk this is, you make known to me the path of real life, the fountain of living water. You make known to me, and in your presence, God, is the fullness of joy. At your right hand, God, are pleasures forevermore. So if you've ever heard a gospel preached to you that God is not meant to wildly satisfy your soul, you have been lied to. If Christianity is just this rules and regulations where there's no joy, there's no, everything's just wrong and bad and I just need to follow the rules and hope I do good enough and somehow I get to heaven, that's a bunch of lies from hell. Look at what God's word is saying. You are designed for satisfaction. You're designed for joy in him. Psalm 63 says it like this, one to five. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you because my soul is thirsty for you. Well, who made your soul thirsty? God, that is not bad. You're meant to thirst for satisfaction. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land. There is no water. He's looking out and saying, this world is not cutting it. And then he goes on to say, because I've looked and I've seen in the temple, this is a spiritual reality now. This is the Holy Spirit doing something that we can't do on our own. He's saying, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary and I have seen your power and your glory. I have seen, see the senses with my eyes, but he's now talking his spiritual eyes. So it's all comes together there. And what's the result? Your love is better than life. Joy, satisfaction, senses, desires, longings. Your love is better than anything else in life. So my lips will praise you. I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. That's a king who knows what it's like to have a good meal. <laughs> and he's saying, that's my soul with you, God. There is nothing that satisfies like you. I love it. That's, that is good news. <laughs> this is beautiful and powerful language. The good news that God designed your soul to be satisfied in him full of joy through direct communion and fellowship with God. The problem comes in, <laughs> in that our ancestors, if you will, and all of us in some way or another, in some very significant ways, we have rejected this offer from God. Jeremiah 2.13 says it like this. God speaking, saying, my people have committed two evils. 
they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns, big old, you know, clay pots that are supposed to hold water. They've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The almost constant temptation before all of humanity is to take that God-given appetite for pleasure and turn and forsake God and say, no thanks, not you. I'm going to try and fill this appetite in a thousand and one inferior things instead of you, the only fountain of living water. That's all of our struggles, all of us. There is a battle. There is a daily battle for our appetite, God-given, broken, fallen, misused, for that appetite to really take over and make us a slave. That's what Paul calls later being a slave to the lusts of the flesh, where we, we, we literally get in bondage and we're, we're pretty much not even, we kind of feel like we're not even in control of this anymore. Our appetite's just driving us here and there where we're attempting to be fulfilled in many, many things like money and food and sex and position and power and title and adrenaline rushes and status. And we can become slaves to our appetite. And the ironic thing is many of the things that can take us captive are actually meant to be good gifts from God, received and enjoyed in their proper place. With God first, God as the fountain of living water that satisfies our soul like nothing else. But when that doesn't happen, and this isn't satisfying our soul, God isn't, then we look for things because we have that appetite and we try to replace God with all the stuff or many things and just try to pile it on. And then you, can, you know how it feels, just one thing to the next. I'm gonna try here, I'm gonna try here, I'm gonna try here. What is going on? Nothing is working. No matter how much I fill up on this, it's not working. It's because it's not supposed to work. <laughs> it's not what you're made for. It will never work. So we get into these vicious cycles that no matter how much we're consuming, we're not satisfied. And Jesus' model is start at the source of life. Then everything can be received in proper order. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to the devil. Man shall not live by bread alone. That is not simply about bread. 
This is about that human need, that human appetite to be satisfied, whether it's bread or sex or alcohol or a thousand other things that are pleasurable. Satan is coming. Satan is knocking on every day. And Satan's knocking right now in a moment of what is going to be weakness. He's gone 40 days without food. And Jesus, as Hebrews 4 talks about, or 6, that Jesus was tempted in every way known to man. Every way. He feels that God created, God designed appetite. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way. And so Satan comes knocking at a moment of vulnerability. He comes knocking, saying, what's going to fill you up? This is not about Jesus simply trying to make it through 40 days with no bread. He, and and <laughs> Jesus' response is something so much bigger than just about physical hunger. He is declaring something much more profound. He is showing us that no matter what the temptation, what temptation the enemy brings in regards to satisfying the soul, no matter what it is, there is an answer. Jesus is modeling the answer. God is my portion. And he is enough. And if we can, by God's grace and his Holy Spirit working, if we can encounter some of that, even a little bit, that encourages us to get, go for more, if we can get that right and put to death those, those appetites, Jesus has that, that God's will for us is to be able to live from this place. In your presence, God, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures that I'm looking for. That's when all of life now begins to come in its proper order. And some things you are going to then just be able to receive as good gifts, and some things you're just going to be able to throw away and say, I don't need that trash in my life. We will be set free from being those slaves to appetite, I don't know about you, but that's not appealing when, man, I don't want to be a slave to, to ungodly appetite where Satan's just like, ha ha, got you again. You're easy. I get mad saying, I don't want to be that guy. I want to live life not as a slave to the enemy's cheap little tricks that's not going to satisfy, doesn't glorify God, doesn't get me anywhere on the road to abundant life with Jesus. So I want to get mad and vigilant and say, God, show me the ways where I seek other things first because I want to get rid of them and show me how I can seek you first. And here's a secret along the way. The best way to overcome an appetite of the flesh is to find superior satisfaction in God. So I'm going to talk about a specific battle plan right now. If you want to overcome a particular appetite of the flesh, 
I don't believe it's very effective to dwell on that appetite and just hope it goes away. In other words, let's just take a cookie, for example, as a, as a temptation from the devil. Put it into, so we'll keep it PG for some, you know, ears in the room. You can fill in your own variable of whatever you know can be an, a, a temptation to just consume the wrong stuff or good stuff in the wrong way, wrong time, wrong proportion. The blessed cookie. The cursed cookie. You're not going to find much victory if you hold the cookie in your hand and are like, God, take away my desire for cookie. I mean, I'm not saying that's an illegal prayer. I'm just saying it's a stupid prayer, okay? Sorry, I've prayed it, so I'm in with you. What is the, the, the better battle method is do whatever you can to just put the cookie down and turn your gaze onto the one who is the feast for your soul and say, God, I want to be satisfied in you. And you fight and you claw and you take steps where you're dying to yourself and there is effort on your part to say, I need to reorganize my life, my time, my effort, my energy to seek you and not put so much effort into the cookie Oh, it's kind of interesting. I put all the effort in the cookie and that's where I find fruit. Where you invest is where you will see fruit. So you claw and you drag and you fight and you punch to find ways to get alone and seek God. And when it's amazing what happens when you encounter God and he begins to fill up your soul, what happens is the cookie becomes less appetizing. Because now you're coming to the point where it's like, dude, what I encounter with God, I don't want to screw that up. I don't want to go back there. Yeah, maybe there's a little temptation, but no, whoa, whoa, better over here, way better. So that's not even appealing or it's less appealing or I know the contrast of how I feel over here versus how I feel over here. This is better. I want to keep going here. That's a lot more effective than, oh, I'm such a sinner, God, take away the desire. Fine, pray it and then do what I said. Okay. That is why what we're talking about right now is why the question of our appetite and what's satisfying us needs to be a regular part of the content of our retreats with God. He is, is wanting to do something in you that you didn't know was possible. I can honestly say, I have encountered and been filled up and had satisfaction in pl and pleasure just in direct communion with God that if you told me at 18 it was going to be happening, I would say, that's not even possible. It's just God's grace. He, he made you for it. He made you for it. He, he wants it for you more than you want it for you. Now, there's going to be some hard roads. Depending on how many cookies you got in your little basket, there's going to be some dying. You know, It may take some time. I remember that season, kind of 18 to you know, 22, where it's like, dude, this isn't working very well. But it's a process of encountering him to the point where you 
don't even want the cookies or you start throwing them away or you smash them or you just eat it for the last time and then you're done, whatever it may be. It's a process. But God wants to blow your... (laughs) Sorry, I almost used the partial cuss word. God wants to blow your mind. I'm excited, but this is testimony right now. That's why I'm getting into my personality. It's real. It's real. He is real. He's so good. He's worth it. You might die along the way, but he's worth it. This is what's going on in Jesus' retreats. This is what he's doing. This is where we get this, this window into this particular prayer retreat. It's not a one and done time thing. This is him modeling for us. These are the kinds of issues that God's wanting us to regularly bring before him so that we can be filled up with God. I want to close with a scripture that just gets me fired up. My mentor at 19 years old gave me this scripture. I didn't know it was possible. He said, have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Look at the censors in there. You think God doesn't want to, you don't feel it, you don't know it. Oh, I just believe in God for when I die. Taste and see. That's called an encounter. God is on your side to make this happen. You feel that? God is on your side to make this happen. I'm going to read it right now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are on people's side to make this happen. This is your will for everyone in this room, everyone listening online, everyone who hears this message. This is, I am 100% confident, God's will for your life that you can have this as your testimony. Psalm 34, eight to 10. Oh, drink deeply of the pleasures of this God. Experience for yourself the joyous mercies that he gives to all who turn to hide themselves in him. That's good retreat language. Worship in awe and wonder, all you who've been made holy, for all who fear him, who are in awe of him, will feast with plenty. Even the strong and wealthy grow weak and hungry, but those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. I want to pray right now. Just join me with your eyes closed. I feel like God, by his Holy Spirit, wants to bring a a literal transfer of power into your life. But as Jesus always did, it was pointed out to me last night that in seven out of seven of Jesus' miracles in the book of John, Jesus asked the person to do something before the healing came. So just as an act of faith, receiving I want to pray a prayer of blessing, and I believe God is going to supernaturally jumpstart you in the process or leapfrog you in the process. But I want you just to, with eyes closed, stand up right now just to receive a, this, this blessing of God's word. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to pray just Psalm 34 one more time because that's God's word. 
and just in a posture of receiving, you're just saying, I want it, yes, by your spirit's power, this is for me. This is a new way I'm doing life with you. I'm gonna do my part to fight, to get on retreat, and you're gonna do your part, Lord, to make this my reality. Psalm 34, eight to 10. Oh God, we drink deeply of the pleasures of you. We experience for ourselves your joyous mercies that you give to all of us who turn and hide ourselves in you. We worship you in awe and wonder, all of us who by you have been made holy. For all of us who are in awe of you, Lord, we will feast with plenty. Lord, even the strong and wealthy grow weak and hungry, but we who passionately pursue you, Lord, will never lack any good thing. We want to be that people, Lord. We receive that. We believe your Holy Spirit is doing that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing a new song I will sing a